Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Psalm 23 in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Aren't you glad to have a shepherd? Glad to have a shepherd, praise God. And today I wanna preach to you for a few minutes on this subject, walking through the valley, picking up stones. Walking through the valley, picking up stones. God bless you, you may be seated. Life has good and bad for all. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust alike. Bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to bad people. You don't have to understand it, you just have to accept it. You say, well then what is the difference? The difference is that the believer has a shepherd. He's not alone, he's not forsaken, he doesn't walk in darkness, he's got somebody to go through life with. Matthew chapter seven, if you're concerned about the numbers game, says, enter ye in at the straight gate, seven and 13, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Don't be bothered at the prosperity of the wicked Don't be bothered by the fact that you may feel outnumbered. Jesus said it would be that way. Some people have received their reward in this life. Some will receive their reward in the next life. We have intellectual believers. We have people that believe only in their mind. We have people that believe only with their lips but their actions do not follow. Jesus spoke of this group as well. Matthew chapter 15 and verse eight, he said, this people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It's just a show. It's not real. It's not everyday life for some people. It's just a Sunday morning activity.
activity. But John chapter 17 speaks of another group. And in verse 15 it said, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Here it comes again. What's the root word of truth? True. True is the root word of truth. What makes us uniquely different from all other people? Truth. Buy the and sell it not. Truth is what sanctifies people. It's not your outward appearance. There are people that dress holier than you do. But truth, you better get a hold of that. Because they had not a love of the truth, even God will send them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie who had pleasure in unrighteousness. Buy the truth and sell it not. God will walk with those who walk in truth. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in We better hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. But even if you are a New Testament believer, even if you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, even if you die daily, even if you do your best to walk with God, there's gonna be some tough times. There's gonna be some times when you're gonna wonder where the light is. There's gonna be some times when you feel all alone. There's gonna be some times when you're afraid. Dark, lonely, fearful times. But God has a stone against all of those obstructions. John 8 and 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So if you feel like you're in the dark, call on Jesus, and he'll light up your world. You're not in the dark. You are the children of the light. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You're lonely? Let let me show you the stone for loneliness. Let your conversation be without covetousness, Hebrews 13 and 5. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But Lord, I feel alone. You're just going on feelings. You need to go on the word of God. I said, you're just going on feelings when you need to be going on the word of God. I feel alone. That's a feeling. That's not a fact. Go with the facts. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Stick with the facts. Don't fall for the feelings. Feelings will come and go. Facts remain. They are an undisputable truth. Oh, I love the word of God, don't you? 
I love the word of God. I can depend on the word of God. All of heaven and all of earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Don't get caught in the feelings. Stay in the faith. And how about the fearful times? Isaiah 43 and 1 But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called you by name. Thou art mine. You belong to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something about me carnally. Okay? I'm going to be a little carnal when I say this. But... It's one thing to mess with me, but don't mess with my wife and don't mess with my kids. Is that right? Is that true of anybody else in the house of God today? Don't mess with my wife and don't mess with my kids. Why? Because if you mess with what I love, I'm coming after you. And everything I've got, you're gonna get. Now, if that's true of me carnally, how do you think God feels about you as his bride or as his children? He said it'd be better for you if a stone were hanged around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than to offend one of my little ones. He's talking the same way I was just talking. You don't mess with what God loves. And that means God knows where you are and you're his and he will take care of you. So let me bring this into perspective today. Let me take you to a man and show you his darkest, loneliest, most fearful night of his life. I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Jacob. A man who tricked his brother into selling his birthright and then tricked him into getting his blessing. And Esau said when Jacob left, the next time I see you, I will kill you. That's my promise. When I find Jacob, someday our paths are going to cross and I'm going to kill him. So his mother sent him to Laban, and he went to Laban's house, and there he married and ended up having many children. He ended up working for Laban for 20 years of his life. 20 years of working for Laban, and now finally he's, a, he's got enough wealth and, and he's fulfilled all of his obligations, and so he takes what he's earned in 20 years, he packs up his family, and he begins to head back for home. But on his way home, one of his servants comes ahead and said, guess who's on the road ahead of us? Guess who's coming right against us? And he said, Who? He said, it's Esau, and Esau has an army with him. Esau has 400 men, and Jacob's heart sunk. Fear gripped him. He knew what his brother was going to do when they came together with his 400 men 
against his family and himself and all that he'd worked so hard to gain in the last 20 years was about to end the next day. So you know what he did? He went down to a valley and he crossed a brook called Chidron. How do you know it was a valley? Because brooks flow through valleys. Water seeks the lowest spot. And he said, here's what we're going to do, family. We're going to divide in half. Half of the family is going to go over here and the oldest son will take care of that half. The other half of the family is going to go over here a long ways away. That way, if he finds one of you, the other can flee. We won't all die. We'll be separated. What are you going to do, Jacob? I'm going to walk through the valley, and I'm going to find God. i got to talk to God. He walked into a valley, and if you read about it in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24, it will say this. And Jacob was left alone. No wife to comfort him. He'd already seen to her safety the best he could. No children to talk with him. No friends, just family and nobody to encourage him. No pastor, no no family of God. Just all alone with 401 men who wanted to kill him the next day. How do you think Jacob would have slept that night? Have you ever had a night like that? Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and been afraid? Been afraid about something that hasn't happened, but they're saying it will. Your bills are unpaid and they're they're going to take your house. You've been feeling sick and you're Worried that it could be something serious. You've offended somebody, and there's going to be a confrontation tomorrow. They're bigger and more important than you are, and they have a lot more allies than you do. You might lose your job tomorrow. Do you ever have a night like that? All alone. Do you know what Jacob did? said he he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. He went to a place in a valley and he called out to God. And God heard his prayer and came in what's called a theological form. Theo means God. So God took on a form, apparently the form of an angel in this case, and they had a wrestling match. And that wrestling match went on all night long. When's the last time that you were afraid and you came to the house of God and stayed in God's house to wrestle with God all night long? Or even in your home, everybody else is sleeping. They're all in their safe and cozy beds but you're all alone and you're afraid. What did you do or what will you do when it happens? 
Jacob got alone with God, and it wasn't one of these little curtsies or one of these bow-down prayers. No, it was a screaming, clamoring, calling out to God that he must hear from God, and he must hear from him right now, and he won't take no for an answer. He's not leaving till he hears and meets with God. And God shows up in this angelic form, and they begin to wrestle, and it goes on all night long until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, He touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, okay, I'm satisfied. I met with God. That's not what it says. He said, I will not. This is an angel's request. I respect angels. I mean, if an angel asked me to do something, the first thing I would think of is, oh, yes, sir, you know, whatever you say, uh, no problem there. Not this guy. I didn't get what I came for, and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. We need more determination when we come after God than just, a, oh, thanks, uh, I felt a tickle in my spine, I, I feel better, uh, uh, I heard a sermon that built some faith in me. No, 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 I'm not, that's how I received the Holy Ghost. I received the Holy Ghost after many months of seeking after God when I determined I wasn't leaving until I got it. And if that meant I was missing work tomorrow, I was going to have a vacation day. You got to get so determined. It's got to be so important to you that you get a hold of God, that God speaks to you, and God ministers to your need, that you won't take no for an answer, and you won't let go until he blesses and supplies that need. I'm not leaving here. I'm in your presence now. But that's not enough for me. I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said, well, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name will be no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and hast prevailed. He blessed him. And then Jacob released the angel. But from that day forward, Jacob walked differently. He walked with a limp. Remember how the angel touched him in his hip? And now he walked with a limp. Listen, when you finally get a hold of God, you will not walk the same. You will not walk the same. Praise God. My pastor used to say, I wouldn't give you 10 cents for a faith in God that wouldn't change your life. I am the exact opposite of what I once was, and so should you be. That's what repentance does in your life. And when the Holy Ghost comes over you and empowers you, you then have the power to live a victorious life. But that's gonna take an encounter with God, not just a sinner's prayer, not just a visit to the house of God once a week, without a willingness to get a hold of God and have your life forever changed, forever changed.
Let me give you one more man today. Let me give you David. David, shepherd boy, least of his family, not even considered when they came to choose one of the sons of Jesse. When Samuel went down the line and prayed and sought which one of Jesse's sons was gonna be the next king, David wasn't even there. He wasn't even under consideration. He's just a little shepherd boy. He sings his songs and la-di-da-di-da, just kind of wanders around the hills and takes care of sheep. He's ruddy. He's not big. He's not strong. He's not smart. He's not handsome. He's not educated. But he's got a heart for God. So he's out in the field and eventually called in and anointed to be the next king of Israel, that little ruddy, insignificant boy became the second and the greatest king Israel has ever had. That encourages me, because I know who I am. I ain't much. Probably neither are you. But if God can use a shepherd boy and turn him into a king, what could he do with your life? What could God do with your life? One day, he was told by his father, go out to your brothers. They're out fighting the war. Bring them food. So David went as he was told to do. He came to his brothers, and when he arrived, Here was this big old giant barking out nasty things about Israel's God, telling them what a bunch of cowards and weaklings that they were, how he could defeat their champion very easily. He even dictated terms. He said, send me your greatest warrior. If I beat him, then you'll be our servants, but if he beats me, We'll be your servants. And you know what Israel did? They hid behind the rocks and they listened to the terms of the agreement. And because they had no champion, they shook with fear. Hmm. And where's their king, by the way? The king who is head and shoulders above every other man in Israel the first king of Israel. Where is Saul? Hiding in his tent. Instead of facing a giant. And when David heard that, he was upset. Now let me back up here and just give you one, a, a couple of bullet points I want you to take home with you today. Never let the enemy dictate terms. I mean, why do we have to play by your rules? You obviously aren't playing by God's rules. You ignore God's word. You ignore the commandments. And yet you say that you're gonna dictate to us what the terms of this warfare are gonna be? I don't think so. I don't think so. Why don't we just all rise up and kill your army right now? That's what they should have done. They should have stood up and said, hey, God is for us. We're not taking your terms. We'll fight you head on. 
They didn't do it because of fear. Fear paralyzed them. But David, on the other hand, he wasn't afraid. He's still just a little boy. Listen to what the giant said, verse 9. If he's be able to fight with me and kill me, we'll be your servants. I prevail against him and kill him, you'll be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. 40 days? 40 days of living behind a rock? 40 days of hearing the same speech? You know, if you hear something long enough, you tend to believe it. And you, you, just, you don't get stronger, you get weaker. And this man gave the same speech for 40 consecutive days until one day, God sent his champion. God sent his champion. And David said to Saul in verse 34, Your servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of my flock. I went after him, smote him and delivered him out of his mouth and he arose against me and I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Huh. A boy killed a lion and killed a bear because he was messing with what belonged to David. I've already preached that part, but. So what did he do? He killed him. Hmm. Then take a look at what Saul offers here in 17 and 40. Well, wait, let's back up. Saul will come to David. David will, excuse me, David will go to Saul and say, hey, I'll go face this giant. And Saul said, who are you? And he explained about killing a lion and killing a bear. And Saul said, well, I'll tell you what. Let me give you my armor. This is the best armor in all of Israel. After all, I am the king. This is the best sword in all of Israel. This is the best spear. This is the best shield. I give you the best of my armor if you're going to go and fight. You know what? I'll not only give you my armor, I'll pray for you. I'll recommend that you represent us. Why, I'll even reward you if you win. But I ain't lifting a finger against this giant because I'm, you didn't say it, I'm afraid. You know, you got a lot of critics but few warriors. And this is something that really, God has really impressed upon my heart and I I don't know why I'm saying it, I didn't plan on saying it today, but I'm gonna say it. I think for too long, I've expected more from my congregation than I should have. I've thought that when I got up and preached a sermon that I felt just as excited about as I feel today, that there should have been a greater response from the congregation. And God spoke to me about that and said, you're not preaching for them, you're preaching for me. 
You're not preaching for them. You're preaching for me. You know what I am? I'm just a voice. I'm just a mouthpiece today trying to give you a message that will increase your faith, that will cause your relationship with God to be stronger, that will lead you to a savior, a healer, a deliverer, a provider. I'm none of those things. You gotta get everything you can out of every message that crosses this pulpit. You gotta get all you can out of reading your Bible on a regular basis. You gotta get in a home Bible study and study to show yourself approved like Brother Matson reminded us of again yesterday. You gotta get a hold of God, not just a hold of a church family. But David said no, he said I, I won't be able to do that. I have improved your armor. So no, no thank you, Saul. I'm familiar with the weapons that I have. Now here's the highlight of this message. It's gonna be fast and furious for a few minutes and then we're gonna open the altar. Before you face this giant, which you have the permission and the support of the king to do. The whole nation rests on your shoulders, David. What are you gonna do? 1 Samuel 17 and 40. He took his staff in his hand. He chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. He put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. A sling was in his hand before he drew nigh to the Philistine. What did he do? He went walking through the valley, picking up stones. Mm. Walking through the valley, picking up stones. What are you doing, David? I know what works. I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. This is the Old Testament Daniel Boone. I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. I did it with stones, rocks. I put them in my sling. I rev her up a little bit. I throw her for all it's worth and God directs it to the target with exceedingly great speed. I don't miss the mark because God directs it with power. And it strikes my enemy and knocks him on his face. So what are you gonna do, David, before you face the giant? I'm just gonna keep walking through the valley picking up stones, putting them in my bag, waiting to face that giant. Now watch the encounter here and see how David handles this situation. The brief conversation. David said to the Philistine in 45, 1 Samuel 17, 45, 
You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. I come to you. What a powerful, wonderful name it is. That's what we sang today, right? Wonderful, powerful name it is. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give your carcass to the host of the Philistines this day, under the fowls of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He never brags about himself. He never stands up and says, hey, buddy, just want you to know I killed a lion and a bear. Doesn't do any of that. He just brags about his God. Just brags about his God. You're going to find out firsthand, buddy, when I whack your head off that there is a God in Israel. Oh, I can imagine this giant. He's just, oh, he's chomping at the bit, man. If I could reach you right now, I'd break your, man. And David put his hand in the bag. He took a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. It was so accurate and so powerful that it sunk into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. How about that for accuracy? How about that for speed? Boom, right here. Never even got close enough to draw his sword. All of it was a bunch of talk that came to nothing. 40 days, 40 days of fear, wasted. Wasted. Fear is a waste of energy. It is a waste of energy. It steals. That's why Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's trying to steal your peace with fear. And you have weapons. Now, you don't have the same weapons as Goliath. I know you can quote the scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Can I get an amen? And so he's going to use a sling and rocks. That's all he's going to use. Oh, by the way, this is, a, this is not a sling. It is a clean hunting sock. I'm hunting for devils today. And you know what? When you're facing things that you're afraid of and you feel like you're in a valley, hear me now, and it's dark, and it's lonely, and you're afraid, and you feel like you're in a valley, then you just keep walking through that valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. I'm going to be having dinner in a little while. You've prepared a table for me. 
I've got some stones here today because I've, I've faced some giants and so have you. I've named them. This stone I got right here, this stone is called salvation. Everybody needs a salvation stone. Have you ever faced a giant that said to you, you're nothing. You're lost. You're unworthy. You're unholy. You're not going to heaven. I saw what you did. I know what you think. I've heard what you've said. You need a salvation stone. And you need to put that salvation stone in your sling and start slinging it. And start using the stones that you've gathered in the valley. Because when you release that stone of salvation against your enemy, God will direct it. God will give it the speed and the force to destroy your giant that has come against you and told you that you're not worthy of heaven. So you just keep walking through the valley, picking up stones. I don't feel good today. Oh, I got a stone for that. Healing. Healing. We prayed about that today, didn't we? Healing. I have every right to approach God knowing that he has purchased my healing. I have every right to claim my healing. I have a physician. Who's your family doctor? Jesus is my family doctor. Healing. He's got healing in his wings. You're going to get sick, buddy. You're going to get cancer. You're going to die. Oh, wait a minute. Let me put this stone in my sling. Take a taste of this. I want you to have a little bit of this stone in your forehead. Ever been afraid that you wouldn't have enough money to pay your bills? You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your job. You're not going to be able to afford the basic necessities of life. Oh, I got a stone for that. Provision. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I got a stone for that one. What are you doing? I'm walking through the valley, picking up stones. Whatever the need is, I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain, that's just a big rock, and the mountain stands by me. While all around is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter and when I need a friend, I go to the rock. I go to the rock. Woo. Provision, protection. Here, let's see what this one is. Oh, here's one. Calling. 
Everybody needs a calling. Many are called. Few are chosen. You know why? And I don't, I don't say this braggingly. I'm saying this to make a point that will help you. Do you know why I've been here as long as I've been here? Because this is where God called me. This is where God called me. The first year that I was here, we had a church split and we lost over half of our congregation. I could have been discouraged. I could have put my tail between my legs and went right back over to Parkway. It would have been an easy decision. But I couldn't do it because that's not where God called me. And that's not what God called me to do. You better be absolutely sure of your calling and your election because if you get out of God's will, the only way to get back in is to go back to where you went out. What does that mean? I got out of God's will. I'm, I've made mistakes. I'll be the first to admit it. I, I thought Parkway didn't need me, so I went to Fond du Lac to help a guy. I couldn't even get a job picking up trash. Six months without a, a paycheck. I was out of God's calling. And I went back to Parkway and humbled myself and regrouped. That's why the calling is so important. What has God called you to do? If God's called you to be a home Bible study teacher or a Sunday school teacher, whatever your ministry is, and you get discouraged in it, you need to go walking through the valley, picking up stones. Well, here's my calling stone. Oh, Satan, you want me to quit being a home Bible study teacher? Don't think so. I know what God has called me to do. Take your stone and slay your giant. Knock him down. Oh, you know what? When you get old, you get smarter. And when you know you've made your point, you quit. If you're old and you don't quit, you're just not smart. Let's stand together. David knocked Goliath to the ground with one stone. How many stones did he gather? Five. We've got more than enough, folks. We've, I said we've got more than enough stones to do the job. But when he knocked the giant down, he wasn't satisfied. He'd remembered what he had said. I will cut your head off. But since he didn't have a spear or a, a sword of his own, he slew Goliath with his own sword. Now this is my opinion. It's not doctrine. It's just an opinion. I believe the stone knocked him down. I don't believe the stone killed him. But I'll tell you one way to know. When you whack his head off, you can rest assured that that has done the job. 
So when you get the enemy down, don't play with them. Don't resuscitate. Come on, somebody preach with me. Do not resuscitate him and let him come back against you again with the same stuff you've been struggling with for months, years, or probably even your whole life. When you get him down, put him out. When you get him down, put him out. Second Samuel 21, 22. These four were born to the to the giant of Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by his servants. There were other giants that followed Goliath, but the children of Israel killed them one by one. Hey, I've killed some giants, others around you have killed some giants. Now it's your turn. Kill your own giants. Don't wait for somebody else to do your fighting for you. Don't act like Saul, be David. Walk through the, I'm in the valley, I'm going through tough times. That's okay, walk through the valley, but pick up stones and go out there and fight and finish what God has called you to do. Last thought before I invite you to this altar. When the children of Israel finally got to go to the promised land, and they crossed that Jordan River, God said to them, gather up 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and put them on the opposite shore so that your children, when they see the stones, will remember, they will remember how God allowed you to cross this uncrossable river. You know what Joshua did? He did exactly as he was told to do. But he went one step further. He gathered 12 stones on his own. He walked through his valley, picking up stones. And he said, now you take these 12 stones and you put them right in the middle of this river to signify that when you're going through a trial, not just when you've come through a trial, but when you're going through a trial, you need a memorial. So today, I'm talking to you. If you're going through a valley, pick up the stones, put them in your sling, and slay all the giants. Jesus, I pray today that this altar will be a great place of victory. For too long, your people have had giants that have talked against you and against your people. Help us to follow the example of David today. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.